You're listening to the Sensuality Project Podcast, where the messiness of real life gets sexy, hosted by Stacey Herrera. This podcast is intended for mature audiences only. Episodes contain profane language and topics of a sexual nature that may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to another episode of the Sensuality Project Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Herrera. And this week is the follow-up episode to last week's amazing conversation with Melissa Danielle. This is the part two episode, so I'm super excited. I loved everything about both of these conversations. It was actually one long conversation because we just both love to talk and we always have great things to say to one another. So even in our offline conversations, they usually last for several hours. <laughs> so this was no exception. I hope that you enjoyed episode. Um, that was actually um, episode number 11. So this is episode number 12. Can you believe it? The Sensuality Project podcast is already two months old. I am so grateful that I finally said yes to this. And I'm so grateful that you choose to share your time with me every week. Thank you so, so much. If you haven't already reviewed the podcast, please do on whatever platform you listen on. That would be really helpful to just not, it's not even about like getting like stacking numbers. The reason that I want you to review it and share it is because I want to reach as many women as possible because I really do believe that we are transformed through dialogue, even more so than actually taking classes and reading books, although I highly recommend those things. But I really think that it is in seeing our own reflection in others that we're really able to actually make change within ourselves. That's just how I roll. So I hope that you are in agreement. If you're listening to this, you probably are. So I'm not going to talk that much. I'm not going to talk that much because I want you to dive into this juicy episode. We talk about a lot of really expansive things on this part two episode. And I think that you're going to get a lot out of it. So here we go. I always have amazing aha moments. I always think like, fuck, I didn't think about that. Like you have such expansive thoughts all the time. All the time. I'm I'm going (laughs) to... I'm going to, you know, it's, uh, you know what? They left me alone by myself a lot. I was um, my mother's only child. I spent a lot of time alone, a lot of time in books, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of time exploring things by myself. Um, I don't believe that I'm the only one <laughs> with these, with these thoughts, but I do think, I do think that I'm probably the only one who says them out loud, who shares them mm-hmm. it, it, more often. Um, and so actually I'm, I'm trying to create the space for others who have these, who have similar thoughts mm-hmm. to create a safe space for them to put them out there and, and see what happens. It's, um, well, I think so often, and, and I'm not an only child, but I'm a middle child who my best friends were books. Like mm-hmm. I learned so much about everything <laughs> from reading it. I still do. Like mm-hmm. I still love watching characters expand and and I can't tell you just last night um I was same book I was reading there was a part where one of the other characters says we don't 
like nobody shows all of themselves to everyone. Right. And and then I thought, started thinking and I texted a couple of my friends and I'm like, is have you ever met anyone that you wanted to be that you wanted to show them all of you? You know, have you ever met anyone that you really felt like you wanted to expose everything about yourself to this person? And then I was like, does that level of trust exist? Because I can't think of a single person. So one of my friends, um, he's a guy, his response to that was, no, it's kind of scary because there's always the part of you that is worried about being liked and being accepted. And so Mm -hmm. then I sat with that for a minute and I said, I don't know if my resistance to revealing all of myself to someone is about being liked or accepted, part of it is about me wanting to keep something for myself. But the bigger part is I don't want to reveal anything that's tender to me. And then you act like you don't give a fuck. Not about, I don't care if you accept me or don't like me anymore, because at least then you would have a reaction. But my challenge is always so many of the people, and I love the people in my life. Really, I do. (laughs) But so many of the people in my life are so indifferent to shit that I would rather not share with you if that's going to be how you act. Yes. <laughs> you know, I used to I used to think for me that it was more about maintaining a little mystery mm-hmm. above the the idea of being rejected. One um, of the, my, now the woman the, but one the of indifference my girlfriend said that is important. Yeah, she said the mystery part that she She's resistant to sharing because she likes to maintain the mystery also. And and I think that that definitely, um, I, I can see that. But my initial knee-jerk reaction is the was the indifference. That I'm like, yeah. I, I don't want, if something feels really tender for me and I, and I allow myself to bear it to you, and then you just act like it's not, you don't give a fuck, that would gut me. Now you, you know, you actually now have me thinking about if someone has been that vulnerable with me and and I have not, and if I, and if I've not been present to that vulnerability, and if I responded in a way that they felt that could have been perceived as indifferent. I have done that to my daughter. Who I feel like my mom has done that to me. Yeah. Well, see, and my daughter's an only child, just like you. So I have done that to her and. She has no qualms about pointing out to me (laughs) when I've done such things. And so I've gotten a lot better about my presence as a result of my child saying this, this, I don't need you to do this. Or you did this when I said this, like she's really good about pointing it out. And it makes me really, really uncomfortable. Of course, Mm -hmm. it makes me really uncomfortable, but I really want to be because now she's a grown up. And she is in an optional relationship with me. And I want it to be. Wow. She's in an, you know, it's not. And she always was in an optional relationship. She had no awareness of the option. I had never heard it framed that way. She's totally, it's completely optional. And when I said that to her dad, he said, what do you mean? I said, she's in an optional relationship with you. And I said, that means that one day she could come home and say, you know what, mom? I no longer want to be in a relationship with you. And there's nothing I can do about it. It's not like she's under 18 and by law, I have to still take care of her. Like she's over 18 and now she can say, I don't want to be in a relationship with you. And so I'm so aware of that, that I want her to be, I want her to want to be in this relationship with me. And that makes me listen differently. And it makes me respect her boundaries. And when she says, I don't need you to be this for me, 
I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, of course I'm in an optional relationship with her too, you know, but, right. but I want it to be the kind of relationship that she wants to be in. And so I'm grateful, even though it makes me uncomfortable as fuck when she calls me out, but she's really, she's really good about it. And she is her mother's daughter. So she's really articulate about it. So that helps. But she said to me just recently, we were, we went out for drinks and um, dessert and I was talking shit about a relationship <laughs> and she said, okay, she was like, okay, Stacy, I'm going to be Stacy for a minute. If some, if you, if I was having the same conversation with you, you would be telling me how I wasn't being compassionate to the other person's feelings. Okay. And I was like, you're right. I was like, you're absolutely right. And, and I, I had to sit in that and I was like, you're absolutely right. I was being very single focused. And the only thing at the end of my focus was myself. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. So I'm really grateful that she's willing to reflect back what she sees. But I'm also really proud of myself for creating the kind of environment where she feels safe to do that. Okay. But the relationship is optional. She can say like, you know what? I'm kicking rocks because I kind of don't like you no more. Like, <laughs> right. Wow. She can totally do that. And I would, you know, I would like her not to do that. So, but I think that it's challenging for parents to shift from from that space when their kids like some parents never stop treating their kids like their kids and i was very conscious of it and wanting um wanting her experience as an adult to be something that she i didn't i just didn't want to have the kind of kid that didn't want to fucking talk to me right like, you know or or avoided me or couldn't wait to move out um as opposed to just wanting to be on her own but wanting to move out cuz she was trying to escape me i didn't want that right but yeah, so I've been indifferent. I have done indifferent with my child and I'm trying to get better at that because it's important to me and it's important to her. You're giving me some interesting food for thought, some triggering too. Um taking my notes. <laughs> Look, you know, yeah. well, you know, when a conversation is good is when, for one, you want to record something, you got to write it mm-hmm. down. And when you feel your shit rising, that you like, you oh, might, you just, you know, you just brought, <laughs> with the, the, each other. I'm you taking know? deep breaths. I'm taking several <laughs> deep breaths. <laughs> That's when you know the conversation is nourishing. But I feel like that every time we talk, uh, even even when we're even just texting. That sometimes I'd be like, God damn. Like, let me let me take. I a have breath. these moments where, like, like when I send those, I have to. I have to share this. I have to get this out of my head and re- share it with somebody. It has to go somewhere yes. other than in the space. Yeah. I actually, I actually, speaking about consent, I write letters to some of my friends. And um, there's one friend where I feel like every letter has been me transferring energy <laughs> in about something in my relationship where I'm just like, just really just scribbling angrily about something that upset me in the relationship. And so my next letter to her really, I'm just thinking that I need to write something really sweet and nice to her. Um, Maybe a a thank you card, something. Yeah. Even, or even, even a letter where you actually like doodle on it so that it softens it, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm going to, that's going to be my thing. My next thing to do, my next letter to her to just be like, I just realized that every letter 
might have appeared as heavy. It's not that she can't hold space for it, but wow, you know, is, you know, does she deserve to be, is that the thing that she deserves to have to, to confront and have to sit with in the midst of all her own stuff? And I didn't ask her Mm -hmm. if that's what she wanted to hold space for. Mm -hmm. That's also how I think about consent too. You know, um, and I need to be doing that with you as well. I realized too that I might be shooting off text messages. You know what? It never feels like not, that though. It feels like, um it usually because there's no experience, even when it even when you're having heavy feelings about something, my the way it's received for me, it always opens up a space of inquiry for me. For my okay. you know what I mean? So I never feel like like I never look and think like, oh, here she go. Like that never <laughs> happens. I always like usually like when I read it, it it opens up a really great space for my own thought and also um, a space of reflection. Like, do, do I recognize this? So, and I think that it's, it's helpful that it's helpful that it's written. You know what I mean? Whereas there's okay. some, there are some things that I do not want to experience by text message. You know what I mean? But because it's usually something that opens up inquiry, it makes me like my brain sees work lettering and processes it in a different way as differently than if it was oral. So, um, so I actually appreciated that. I never, I never receive anything for you that I don't think is expansive that opens, opens me up in a way, even if it's not something that I relate to directly. Thank you. So I, I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm, you know, I'm actually, and I have to reach out to her. I'm thinking about my friend Tazima who offers relationship coaching around intimacy Mm -hmm. and desire. Mm -hmm. And in one of her workshops that I attended, it was about being able to have, being able to learning how to make requests for some strange reason. I'm having a hard time saying request lately. Can't (laughs) Q U (laughs) words are bothering me lately. There's something where they're not coming out fully. So request, but so it was about, um, how to ask for what you want without dialing it back. Uh, and then, um, also p- to practice receiving, asking what you wanted. And within that, she gave the direction to allow, some, allow the person that you're making the request to, um, to decide if they were able to receive it in that moment. So she would say, when you have to talk about something, that might be uncomfortable for either one of you or it's heavy or whatever, you can say to them, Stacy, I would like to talk to you about something that is that could be really uncomfortable or heavy. Is this a good time? Mm-hmm. I agree that that's so and because all it just occurred to me that, that yeah, it just occurred to me that that was a that was consent that was asking for con- that was consenting and she never framed it that way. So now I'm going to like, I'm going to reach out to her and, you know, and, and to, and to ask her, did she, was she coming from this, from a, from a a place of, of asking for consent? Mm -hmm. Um, Because what it, because, you know, it's so interesting because it's, it's, to me, it just feels on the same lines where you're in a relationship and you say, you know, how it comes up when you say, you know, we need to talk. Yeah, and then <laughs> all of a sudden, like that, the other person is just like, "What does that mean?" And I'm uh, uh, not supposed to do with that, you know, and and all that stuff that comes up. But really framing it and saying, "I do have something to to share with you that's really uncomfortable for me," or it could it could do X Y Z to the relationship. 
is this a good time? And then, you know, that person can say, you know, I don't have the, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter what it could be. It might not even be as serious. You know, sometimes we make things, you know, we make things a lot bigger than what they actually are. (laughs) And, but at least then in that moment, that person can say, well, you know what? Um, Right now is not a really good time, but, you know, I'm going to be around tonight in a few, you know, in a few hours, whatever. Let's talk about it then. And then that person, because, because then now you've given that person um, the space to set themselves up for how they want to show up into that conversation and to be accountable and responsible for their thinking and feeling. So I have to, re- I have to ask Tizima if, um, if she, w- if she intended for that, is that, a, was that about consent for her or something else? And if she, but you know, did she see that as, as asking for consent? Cause that's what it feels like you or you're not. Like you're, too. Yeah. Well, and that leads me to the telephone and text messaging. And now as a rule for me, I will not answer or take a call unless I have time to give the person my undivided attention. Okay. And so often, and I usually, especially if it's someone that I'm just becoming in relationship to, I tell them in the beginning. Because I have had people get mad at me. I've even even romantic partners where it's like, I called you yesterday and I'm like, I know I'm calling you back. Because there are a handful of girlfriends that I will talk to while I'm making breakfast in the morning. Two actually, only two. And then um, well, and and an occasional third. Um, but that's usually I don't because I'm busy, I won't talk. Um, every now and then I might have a conversation in the car, but that's very rare. Typically, if I answer the phone or if I make the phone call, I'm sitting down and listening to you because I want to make sure that the person has the experience of being heard. However, that is not the experience that most people, (laughs) especially now that everyone has a cell phone, people think that if they have a phone, they have to answer. Voicemail is 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 important and it serves the purpose of answering when you're not available to talk. So I don't mind having a voicemail pickup and I will not. And if it's not urgent, if it is, you probably will text me and say so. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it might take me a day or two to get back to you. But when I do get back to you, I'm sitting the fuck down mm-hmm. because I believe that I believe that I am. Time is the only thing you can't get a refund on. And I feel like if I'm not present for a conversation with you, I am stealing your time and I cannot give you, I can't give it back to you. Sure. And nobody wants to listen to, I hate talking to somebody when they're in the line at the grocery store. Hold on a second. Now they're talking to the cashier. Mm -hmm. Just fucking call me back. Do you think that that is, if you answer the phone, are you, are you then giving consent to the other person, whatever it is the fuck they're doing? So. What's interesting about that is that's only triggering me for a few specific people Mm -hmm. um, and not for everyone. So I'd love, okay, so there's two things. I'm not a really big fan of texting, to be honest, but I also am mindful of the fact that I like to talk (laughs) and 
time zone wise, you're behind. And time zone, yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 three to six hours or longer because I do have some friends that are international. So some friends might actually be twelve hours um, behind, and so and because of just my general nature, I get these these downloads or these insights, right? And I'm just like, oh my god. I need to tell someone something like, where, who, ah, ah, you know, like, every, and so in those moments, um, the text messaging suffices. But so that's interesting because I do have, there are two people in my life who I feel they're stuck in their stories and those stories are heavy. And so my self-care is to not answer the phone or respond to their text messages right away if I feel like I cannot be present or hold space for them fully. And so I feel like that only comes up for those two people. Because I think that when I, like, especially like if I'm thinking about you and when I'm texting to you, if I'm texting you, it's not urgent. That's how I feel about it. Like, mm-hmm. it's not urgent. If I really need to talk to someone, if I need to get talked off the ledge, I need to come to Jesus moment with someone, I will call them. Um, and if they don't answer, I actually, if I know that that person reads text messages, I won't leave a message. I will actually just text and say, I need you to call me back. But that is a very interesting question. Now that we are in this space where you can send a text, you can WhatsApp, you can Facebook messenger, everything you You can, can, yeah, you can send an email. So I guess it's just a, for me, it's a matter of the sense of urgency. That said though, um, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a relationship, if this is a business, if it's about a business transaction, I need to be on the phone. My boyfriend actually doesn't like being on the phone a whole lot. Um, so I just, a lot of men feel like that. Yeah. So I just, so I will just send him really direct to the point text messages. Or if I do need to call him, it's because I really just cannot be waiting for you to like to to text me back or I need to make sure I've said this really clearly and I'm not doing this string of text messages back. Right. So like, like with him, I have learned to just be very direct with my with however I communicate with him, just really no and because I'm wordy, right? So no, <laughs> like I'm just like, okay, how do I say this in the most concise, straightforward way? where I'm not, you know, buffering this whole full on, <laughs> like I'm setting up the, the, the story or the scene, you know, it's just like get straight to the point, but, you know, so, you know, I, I think it, I, I feel like it, it depends. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I, I think maybe what I, what it, what it really comes down to is the agreement that you have with the person spoken or unspoken. Yeah. So your previous actions are in agreement, mm-hmm. you know? So what, like, so what you, what you start doing with and for a person is the expectation right? that, right. that, 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 that other person, um, will hold you to unless you renegotiate that, exactly. unless you actually articulate and say, this hasn't been working for me. I can't show up this way for you. So, so I would say, yes, when I answer the phone for those two people, that 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 is the con- I have given my consent to them, yeah. So I don't answer the phone for them sometimes if I if I if I can't, you know, in that moment if I'm unable to really show up in that moment for them, 
Yeah, but I can also tell them that too. I'm not in I'm not in a place right now to hold space for you. But I, you know, but I also hope that you will take care of yourself the yeah. way that, the best way you can. But that's a really good question. Really good yeah. point. And I have yeah. definitely, I mean, I have answered calls and been present and then have something change in the room. Mm-hmm. And then have to say, like, you know what? Can I call you back? Because I'm really not able to pay attention to you right now, but I want to. Mm-hmm. For one, it gives the other person, it makes them know that they're important to you and that what they're saying that you want to actually listen to them. Now, I cannot say that I have a, a few people in my life that honor my time in the same way, mm-hmm. but not most people don't. Right. And so I then become the person that says like, okay, I see that you're busy. Like we can talk later mm-hmm. because I don't want to listen to you, you know, in the checkout line or <laughs> at the car wash or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Like, so, so I've been, I've been, I then take responsibility and take care of myself by ending the conversation rather than listening and getting frustrated and thinking this sure. is a waste of my time because I'm sure. sitting still. I'm sitting still. I made time right now for to do nothing else but talk. Right. <laughs> you which is which I which I think is amazing because to hear you say that I'm sitting still is is you treating them as though they were in the room with you. Exactly. And that's how I that's how I do conversations. Like, mm-hmm. even, even like if you, if you text me and like, can you talk now? Yep. And I sit the fuck down. Even mm-hmm. if, even if I'm sitting down talking to you for hours, I'm sitting down. Mm-hmm. Unless I have to pee, which I will pee on the phone with somebody. I do it too. Yeah. I announce it like, wait a minute, I got to pee. If I'm mid sentence, like you're going to hear it. Otherwise <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm going to mute you because I'm going to pee, but I'm listening, you yeah. know, whatever. But otherwise I'm sitting down and I'm being present. Because that's what I want. Now, I would love to say that that practice was born out of me being conscious, but that practice was born out of one of my wounds. Okay. Being ignored is a fucking thing for me. Like, don't ignore me. Like, (laughs) don't ignore me. That, that, it it was born out of my wound. And so I want to practice what I want to experience. Sure. For sure. Yeah. And, And I feel like too, that's interesting because I um, one of the one of my pet peeves with my mother is this idea that people should know how you want to be treated because of the way you treat them. And so, yes, and right. That, that's a that's a for me, that's a that's a yes. And because because for me, it's the way you treat someone is actually really none of that person's business. You know, that's an expression of how you are showing up in the world. You know, that's your business, how you treat someone. How they respond is is their business, mm-hmm. right? But how you want to how you want someone to treat you is your business right. and that's and that's what you share with them. You have to tell them this is the way that I want to be treated. Just because you're responsible for how you respond to their response. Right. And so she, so her, one of her biggest sources of frustration and suffering was that she never had what she felt was an equitable reciprocity. Those, that's, those are my words, but like her relationships were, I mean, like a lot of her relationships are transactional, but it just was never, it was just never at a reciprocity that was equal to what she was putting out. Yeah. 
And, and it just, it never occurred to her on the one hand that she was attracting people who weren't in, who did not have the capacity to return at the level that she was giving. And on the other hand, she wasn't articulating what she needed. And Uh, so I totally get where you are coming from. My experience, your mom's experience has definitely been my experience. And I often, especially younger, felt like I wasn't having the reciprocity that I desired in relationships, romantic and otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, feeling like people, no one's listening, no one's showing up, no one's blah, blah, blah. Like, that's why my trigger is like, if I share this with you and you don't give a fuck, I'm going to be mad, you know, like, right. that's why that's a thing. But now that I'm aware of it and, you know, I'm th- lately I've recognized that and you can tell me if if this is something that resonates with you, the, uh, the relationships romantic and otherwise that I have the strongest attachment in are the ones that are attracted from the space of my womb. Whereas oh, wow. when I, when I attract from a space of wholeness, I can fully embody myself and I can be fully present for the experience and I can feel all of my feelings without being tethered to the person but when the attachment when when it's from my womb space i'm like a fucking suction cup mm-hmm. like you know i'm just on it and i just and, and i'm very attached to the outcome i'm very attached to their behavior i'm very attached to the words they use and the how they show up and all that stuff whereas when i'm attracted from a place of wholeness even if they act the fuck up i'm unattached do you know that's so okay so what's interesting about that is um <laughs> so my boyfriend has has um been doing things that I don't like and I have been drawing lines and well actually the other day he said something to the effect of how come you don't get um frustrated by you know some of the things I say or do and I looked at him and I said I don't get frustrated <laughs> and then and in that particular moment I said um I it was he was doing the laundry he was doing his laundry. And I said, I don't, I don't get frustrated. And he laughed and I said, why are you doing your laundry? And he said, because I'm not thankful. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, because he had, he had been making, he had been doing things and making these statements around the chores, around the, around the way that the chores get handled. And I was like, wow, okay, you know, Somebody, for somebody who likes to remind me that I'm not his mother, I'm going to remind him that I'm not his maid. So okay. I told him, <laughs> I said, you know, it, it, because I know that it hadn't occurred to him that I hadn't done his laundry, I made sure to not have him to, to make sure that he, you know, not to set him up, right? I'm not trying to set you up, but I'm just letting you know you need to do your laundry. I'm not doing your laundry for you. And it's just funny because it's like, because, you know, just thinking about what we're attaching to and the wholeness, I like, I'm like, and now I'm thinking about it because in my wholeness, all the stuff that he's been, how he's been showing up, I'm finding that I'm not attaching to them. Like I'm not making it about me. Uh, I'm recognizing that, you know, and, and this could be about a lot of things and, you know, you can take from it whatever you want to, but he's not used to me. You know, he, he, and to, and to like, and I tell him too, like, you actually have no idea who I am. You, you still like you, I am still new to you. You haven't, 
you haven't begun, you know, to, to get all of you, you're not, you're not in a place where you have all of me and how I might respond or react to a situation. And what's, cause what's interesting here. And I, and I would have that at situations at, at uh, work too. Since I moved to Hawaii, I am very clear that I have tempered that the way that I could respond <laughs> to a situation. And it's funny because some of us, some of us, uh, especially the black women that we, that I talk to and commiserate with, we just be like, girl, you ain't even getting half right now of what, of what the hell I could like the whoop ass that I could deliver on you right now. And you, and your, you. <laughs> and your feelings are hurt. Your feelings are hurt. And I haven't even like, like, cause you have, cause you have not, cause I don't, I'm not raising my voice. I'm not, and I'm a big girl. Right. And so, you know, as much as you, as much as people love this voice, when I can be right? in this relaxed state, you do not want to hear it when you have pissed me the fuck off. Thank right. Yeah. And so, look, <laughs> and, and you from New York, <laughs> girl, girl. Right. And so, <laughs> and so it's funny because he'll, he, like when it comes out, he be, you know, he always knows when I'm talking to my parents or I'm talking to somebody in New York, cause he'll hear that my, vo- you know, how my voice elevates. I drop into the Brooklyn accent mm-hmm. <laughs> and he gets a kick out of it. But I just tell him, I just go, you know, I'm just at a place where th- what, how you are right now has nothing to do with me. So I don't need to react. I don't need to be upset. I don't need to be frustrated, but I know what you're not going to do, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm going to just, you do whatever you want to do, but I'm going to tell you what you're not going to do with me. So that's why you're doing your laundry right now, you know? Because I'm not thankful. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I tried so hard not to laugh. I was just like, and I told my friend, I said, you know, what I need a kid for? Because what? Look at this right here. Like, I don't need no kids. I got this one right here. You want to have a baby? I'm like, hmm. Oh, I don't need another. I don't need one. I got one. Like, yep. <laughs> you, you get, you get all of the bonus points for being able to cohabitate because you know, you know, I just like, like I, I've, and I've, but I've been saying to him too, you know, at some point I'm going to have, I'm going to need to have my own room. If you are looking at forever with me, you are going to have to adjust yourself because I am going to, I am going some way or another, I will be in my own room. And that has has nothing to do with you. Yes. Um, So adjust, make your adjustments because it's coming. Mm -hmm. It is coming. Yeah. And even, even, even with monogamy, I'm just like, whoo, this is my last monogamous relationship. You know, when you told me that, I was, that mm-hmm. felt so empowering to me. I relate. I have I have really tried to tick the monogamous box for most of my life. I've tried to do that. It is not natural. I don't think it's natural for me. I, I don't think it's natural for a lot of people, but I think that it's a very challenging thing for people to wrap their brain around. But then there's also this idea like no one says you can only have one friend. Right. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's like, you right. know what, Melissa? You can only have one friend. Oh, you met someone new? Did you break up with your other friend? Like no one ever says that. Like right. why do you have to feel like that? Or even if you, even and it doesn't matter like how you identify with food. Like if you are a vegetarian, no one says you can only eat eggplant. Right. That's your, that's your vegetable. Or that you can only, that you can only eat with um, 
other vegetarians. Right. Mm-hmm. Or 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 you only can eat with forks. You live in Hawaii. What you doing with chopsticks? You right. know what I'm saying? Like like, but we have this idea that we can only. And I'm not saying that there aren't people who gravitate naturally to monogamous behavior. Those people exist, but there's a lot of people that don't. And since since we've decided that monogamy is the primary relationship style on the menu. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of people that are trying to fit into that that just don't naturally feel that way. Mm-hmm. And so there are two things about that for me. What's interesting is that because of our immaturity around sex and sexuality, that's why only monogamy can exist. But for me, it's not it's it's not even about sex. It's really about my ability to be fully self-expressed. Yes. And so, and so the fact, like for me, and, and this is my experience now of, okay, this is my, this is my first time living with someone full time. I've had other iterations of, you know, only like spending just the weekend with that person and then going back to my place during the weekdays, but I'm here full time with this man. And I'm thinking about, what just all the things that I want to do and accomplished and accomplish. I'm trying to create the space for that. And I also have to hold the space, not just for the relationship, but for him. And that's fine, but I can't be up under you all day. And I can't have this situation where you feeling like, because what's interesting about that, like, is when I was living by myself, when we were, when we were just dating and I was living by myself, there wasn't this expectation that he that my time that more of my time be with him you know like right. he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't on the phone with me every day mm-hmm. you know after he got home from work there wasn't this expectation that we would see each other every night but but I'm here and then it's just like it's in the evening time and I'm working on something and I'm not paying him any attention and it's just like you're a grown-ass man it's a tall <laughs> you know And, and so, but, and so, but I noticed that, you know, like, and, and this might just be very specific to him, right? And, and there might be other relationships in which people don't have those expectations in their relationships. And that's fine. But for me, for who I want to be and the things that I want to do, I don't need the validation of a relationship to be able to be myself or to know who I am or to know what my value is. I don't aspire to marriage or motherhood to to complete me or to again establish my value and and worth uh, and my contributions. So, what? Why do I need monogamy? You know, and it's and it's a it's funny because I'm it made me think of you know there's the the one of the conflicts my mom has with me around work where she just doesn't understand why. I won't get a full-time job. And then and when I was talking, she, you know, she has to tell, she has to vent and release to everybody about what's wrong with me and why I don't listen. And in one of the conversations I had with my God brother, who was just trying to get my perspective. And I said to him, I said, what do I need a full-time job for when it's possible to be paid a full-time income on part-time hours? That's number one. Number two what do I, again, what am I working all those hours for? I am not interested in holding a mortgage. 
I am not interested in being tethered to of a lot of material stuff. I don't have children and I have all of these other things that I actually really want to be doing. So as long as I am, my basic needs are being met, what do I need that full-time job for? Because if I can make enough money to cover my basic needs and, and to save some money and to be able to buy the things that I actually want, which are more, which for me right now is more in the, in, on the lines of experiences versus things. The, 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 the physical things that I spend my money on are books. And then the rest of it is food and experiences. So what do I need this full-time job for? So, you know, and, and he was just like, wow, I never thought of it that way. And I said, exactly. I said, what she's projecting right now is her own story. You know, she's not even, she, it's not even, it's like, you know, she just can't, she's not even in that space to see that the world doesn't look the way it did even 10 years ago versus 30, 40 years ago. You know, I'm, I want to reimagine a, a, a new way of, of working and, and thinking about money. And that's, and, and even like, and even just even getting them to understand too, that that's what privilege is, that I have, exactly. that I have this class privilege that came out of their, like, if every generation is supposed to do better, then it's not about, okay, I'm just, I'm going to go get the same type of job that my parents did and figure out how to make that work better. No, that's not my, that's not my interpretation. So my interpretation is, let me take the cushion of this privilege that I have of my parents putting in the work the way that they did it, that got them to this place where they are, they are homeowners and level up so that, so that because the doing better is not being a wage slave, you know, of Amen. not, of not, of not, because, because that's really what the better is, is because what true of uh, financial freedom is, is not having to worry about money, is not having to have your time controlled by someone else. And I agree. Whole and so for me, I will take not making as much money. If it, because I value my time more than I value that paycheck, because I can figure out how to get my basic needs met without having to give all of my, you know, like I meet so many people who are working 40, 60, 100 hours a week to keep up with the things that they don't have time for because they're working. So what is the point of that? You know, so, so it's interesting. So. So yes, so for me, um, yeah, this is my uh, this is my last monogamous relationship, and everything else is is connected to that. There are no single issues. I agree with you. You get my vote. <laughs> <laughs> you get my vote on on all fronts. Like I agree with the money. I you know I'm I'm older and. And well, you're just older than me by a few years, not even a whole. Well, lot. I mean, you know, like now my daughters are grown up and I never I haven't had the desire to have a mortgage either. And I'm, I do not have the desire to work, you know, like a slave, even for me. I don't want to work like a slave. Like I'm not interested in working. at least not for anybody else. You know, yeah. I put in I put in so many hours for my own projects. Right. You know, and was underpaid. I'm not going to do that for anyone else. Exactly. And it just and at least even even if you do it for your own project and it doesn't 
you know, payoff monetarily. There is a spiritual payoff. There is a mm-hmm. lesson. There's an expansion. There is there is always some kind of exchange that you get. Whereas it's not to say that you can't get those things working for someone else, but for some of us, it doesn't it doesn't feel as worth it. Right. You know, I mean, and there are people that have jobs that they love and that's great. There's not, this is not a stab at those people, but for the people that have decided that there is another way and there is (laughs) like, there is another way. I think that we should have the right, you know, I wouldn't trade, even though this, this is 2017 has been grueling for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But I wouldn't trade a single moment. Because this would have been a completely different experience if I was trading time for money in a different way. This would be grueling on a whole nother level, like an, on an emotional level, it would be unfucking bearable. Whereas it really just doesn't feel that bad. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not tight. It is. It is. And it's uncomfortable. But even in the discomfort, I am able to expand because in the discomfort of working for myself when something changes or shifts that makes me uncomfortable and I know that there's a contraction, I am completely able to be fully aware that expansion is on the other side of this contraction. Yes. You know what I wear? Yes. When I've worked for someone and been in this position, I just feel like I'm contracting endlessly. Like now, now I'm, now this is a cramp. You know yes. what I mean? Oh, because that's awesome. Yes. This is a cramp because <laughs> I can't seem to re, you know, I'll cramp once it gets the, it, it just keeps tightening. It's yes. not trying to let up. And that's what it felt like when I worked for someone else and had a similar experience. Whereas in this, it's just like, okay, this is a contraction. And in order for me to grow, in order for me to be able to have a capacity for more, a contraction precedes expansion. But at, at at a job, a contraction leads to a cramp. And I'm not interested in, I don't really enjoy cramps and bananas are not my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> bananas are not my favorite thing I think whatsoever. you can eat sweet potatoes. You know what? I love sweet potatoes <laughs> and they are so good for so many things. In fact, I had a sweet potato for lunch today with butter and Parmesan on it. It was oh, so nice. heavenly. Yeah, I love, you know, it's, look, you'll you'll know this because I'm sure you have the same experience. The more, the more grounded I am in my body, the more colors I need to see on my plate. Oh, wow. I love that. You know, I like, that. I know when I am grounded because when I'm grounded, if I even if I make something like if I if I saute some kale and I only have like yellow bell pepper and I can't and I'm like this needs some red you know like <laughs> I know I'm grounded when I need to see the colors whereas when I'm not grounded and again not operating from a place of wholeness it could all be one color it could mm-hmm. you know it could all be one one variety it's reflecting the mood yep. yeah it's reflecting French the fries energy. that's yeah. all you know what I mean mm-hmm. whereas when I'm really living in my body I'm like. I love French fries. I really do. First of all, if I'm craving them, I know my root is off. But I can when I when I want some, but I need it to go with other stuff. I know that I'm in alignment. Okay. But when I'm not in alignment, what you want? Just fries. <laughs> Just fries. Nothing else. Just fries. I I enjoy talking to you. So, so much. Okay, I'm gonna ask you two more questions before we go. Okay. This one is going to be a figure out what it is. This is normally a foreplay question, but we'll just call this aftercare. So I'm going to give you three clues and you tell me what the thing is. First clue, I can be popped on you at any time. 
Sometimes I'm oral. And last clue, you can't score unless you're responsive. What am I? What was the last clue again? You you can't score unless you're responsive. <laughs> I chose this one because you were talking about being responsive when we when we first started talking. <laughs> um you know what for me for me that's this is a very clitoral thing. When I the descriptions do sound very clitoral, but it's actually not sexual at all. That's funny. That's just like, like, cause that just got very personal for me. <laughs> um, um, Give up. Tell me, like, I, I'm getting, I, get, I think I'm just getting stuck on the last one. Tell me to say that one more time. Um, the last you, can't, you can't score unless you're responsive. And I can be popped on you at any time. And sometimes I'm oral. Is it a fruit? Nope. It's educational. Oh, um, wow. I am missing the mark on this. Because I'm just, you know what, I guess, you know what, you know what, this is a direct reflection of, of what I'm projecting right now, because, <laughs> um, because all I'm, all that's coming up for me is like fruit juiciness, like orgasm. <laughs> you see where my mind is at? That's, yes. that's the space that I operate in all the time. Because I'm, that's why I thought about fruit and things that would be expansive and because something that, yeah. And then even thinking about the the responsive part. Wow, I'm I yes. You need to tell me what it is because I quiz. Am. That is so funny. <laughs> oh my goodness! Because a quiz can be popped at any time. Sometimes a, a quiz is given orally, and if you don't respond, you can't score. That is so funny. There's a game that I play called Four Words, mm-hmm. and it does that. It does exactly well. It'll just. It would just say popped oral responsive, and then you'd have to figure out that it was quiz. Yeah, this is actually the, from the board game Dirty Minds. That is too funny. I love it. I and love every it. every conversation I give one, um, there have only been so far two people have gotten them, but most That's most awesome. most people go. Look, my mind goes there too. So most people go there. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's that's where I'm up. That's where all of my um, that's where my spark comes from. I am not mad at you. So last yeah. question. What is your favorite aftercare practice? Like, how do you like to be taken care of or how do you like to caretake post sex? Um, Depending on if there's if there's time, I'd love to just lay for a few minutes together. But, you know, we grown, right? So we always have a little towel that's specific to Thanks. that moment. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, if there if there's time, I, w- I like to take a shower together. And, yeah, depending on what it is, because um, usually it's interesting. You know, we went back to Hollywood. It's always the man saying, honey, can you go make me a sandwich? Right. But I usually end up being the hungry one. I I think a lot of women um, have that experience, especially, you know, if you're multi-orgasmic, it's that's it. It takes some energy to orgasm over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, you know, I guess, wow, just because it depends on the experience. There might be times where I I just want to take a nap and it's the best sleep ever. There are times where I just want to hang out. And be in it just for a little bit longer, light conversation. But definitely, I like to take a shower, and I'll I'll alternate between 
I might start with a cold shower, but I'll alternate between hot and cold. And that's my way of grounding myself, bringing myself back and down. I often use colds, like I'll turn the temperature down in the shower when I, as a reminder to keep my heart open so that when I'm doing that, instead of clenching, which is the natural tendency, instead allowing my body to relax as a reminder Mm -hmm. for me to keep my heart open when I Mm -hmm. feel compelled to slam it in someone's face. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a tendency that I, it's definitely something that comes up for me regularly. And so I am constantly practicing keeping my heart open. Thank you. This has been so lovely. Thank you for sharing your time, your wisdom, for allowing yourself to be open, for sharing so vulnerably. Like you inspire me all the time. Thank you. Uh, I really, I really appreciate, you know, our time together and how we've just connected over this. And even just, yeah, even just, um, you know, it's interesting because I, what you're the only person that I have shared things about my relationship with that hasn't asked me what my exit strategy was. I did not feel like you were strategizing about leaving. (laughs) Everyone, you know, but but it's interesting because everyone else is like, you know, so that's another conversation for us to have in the future about relationships and commitment in this very swipe left, right world of there's something better, juicier, shinier, as opposed to just being committing to what you have now and, and working on that. You have been, I I think it's just been because my, even my own natural instinct would be to just leave, um, not for someone else, but just to leave. And it's just been, it's been, yeah, just holding the, just, just holding the space and reminding me of my purpose and reminding me of the work has been really, really helpful for me. I think that's also probably how I also reminded to be less attached and less reactive, um, because your, your responses just are, are have been so grounding. Well, I thank you so much. Yes. I did not realize. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that I've never, even, even when you've been frustrated, I've never heard you sound like you were ready to go. Okay. And so I didn't. So why do I need to say anything about that? If that's not, if I can feel that that's not where you're at. Okay. And, you know, and I never want to, and it's not to say like, you know, I've had conversations with other friends where my thoughts are, she probably should be ready to go. But if, if I don't feel like that's where the person is, who am I to now make the suggestion? I mean, if, if, if I'm not feeling like you're in danger and you're not in danger, you know, like there's no, there's none of that. So unless I feel like that, I don't want to be the person that starts planting the seed that you need to do something else. When, when, when everything that you've shared, there's always some growth in it for you. Like I've never Mm -hmm. heard you share anything that was just like, oh, like he fucking crazy. You need to, you know, like that's never happened. Like everything has always been like, okay, this, there's, there's some expansion for you in this. And if that is, if I'm your friend and I'm hearing space for expansion, am I your friend? If, if the response I give you is to escape the growth, Mm. you know what I mean? Like if I, if that's my suggestion to you, 
is instead of being here and this is uncomfortable and now I'm going to instead help you flee. Yes. Um, I don't know that that's loving. Thank you. Mm, thank you. And two, the other piece of that is, you know, I'm not, to, I'm not throwing shade on the other people that have said something different to you, but I will say that if their suggestion is what's your exit strategy, nine times out of 10, that's a reflection of their own discomfort, not yours. Yes, for sure. And I've been aware of that too, when I've had to be mindful of um, what I share with other people, mm-hmm. because sometimes it's, it's, it's even not to complain. It's just to, it's just to share what you're experiencing. Exactly. And other, and the reactions have been, in, you know, interesting. Yeah. Um, and they've been, they've just allowed me to be mindful of how I, you know, of how I frame stuff and how mm-hmm. I, and what my projection is and, and, and what their own stories are for sure. Yeah. I, um, I'm going to say one share now that, cause I hadn't thought about it before. And this might also be one of my, one of the reasons I respond the way that I do. One of my first significant relationships as a young 20 something um, it was like my, one of my first significant relationships and the other person did something that was very painful to me. And I was confused myself about why I wasn't thinking of leaving, like why my initial response wasn't to leave. But I remember being so aware, like now I'm amazed at it because of who I am today. And I know that I wasn't as present. So now I'm surprised at this reaction. But I remember being so discerning about who I was going. I knew I needed to talk, but I remember thinking, I do not want to talk to anyone that is going to call me stupid for staying. Yes. And so I ended up talking to a woman who I didn't even know personally. Mm -hmm. And I shared this very personal thing with her. And I don't know if we ever had another personal conversation again, ever, but I knew that she didn't have any attachment to me. And that if I stayed It wouldn't matter to me if she gave a fuck about it or not. But I remember being so discerning and being so careful about who who can I call that isn't going to judge me for staying. Hmm. And, you know, this was I was I was probably 20. So it was like now I'm like, wow, that was like really big thoughts, you know, for me to be thinking that thought. But I'm I hadn't considered it before because honestly, I had not realized that I hadn't said that to you until you said it just now. I never know. I didn't even notice. But that that experience might inform the way that I talk to people about their relationships. Hmm. Because I I knew that I mean ultimately the relationship ended for him doing the thing that he did that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the time that it happened the first time, I wasn't ready. And I but I knew that other people would think I was dumb and I did not want to deal with the judgment. Right. So I was discerning. So that I'm sure informs the way that I listen and respond because there is a feeling of doneness. And, and if I don't feel the done from the other person, I don't need to frustrate myself telling you to be done or suggesting it if you're not ready. Thank you. Well, thank you. Look, I enjoy you. I, I think that you're doing an amazing job navigating life, business, money, and love, <laughs> even if it doesn't feel like that every day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. The Sensuality Project is produced, edited, and hosted by me, 
Music by BenSound.com. The Sensuality Project Podcast is a production of StacyHerrera.com. <laughs>